really excited to be able to uh, share with you today uh, a little bit from God's Word and, and from my heart. Um, for those who may not know me as well, because I'm not in here a whole lot, um, I'm Pastor Mark Kelleher. I'm the family pastor here, which means I get to work with the youth and kids, uh, which is a whole lot of fun. Um, we recently just uh, got back, some of us, from our kids' camp at Fahola uh, over uh, near Jackson, Michigan, which is the uh, Assemblies of God uh, State um, District Camp for kids and youth. Uh, this week was focused on kids, and it was called Elijah's Camp, and it was just a phenomenal uh, opportunity. We had, um, I believe, uh, six uh, kids come with us from our church um, as well, which joined then uh, many other kids from around the state. But then also what was really, really exciting to me is we had a number of adults from our church. Uh, Robin Schofield was there. You can just raise your hand. Robin was there, and Jessica Vay came. If you want to just raise your hand there. And uh, we also had Holly Swanson, one of our students uh, from the church here that came, uh, as well as Logan Huff came, uh, another student, and they were called LITs. Um, they helped kind of assist group leaders and the rec staff and different things, um, and I was there. And so it was really neat to have that whole group there serving and, and uh, seeing what God is doing in our kids' lives. And I'll tell you, it is, um, it's funny because it's a kids' camp, and yet uh, at the same time, it's amazing how I saw God working in my life and in many of the other adults' and teenagers' lives um, as we ministered. It just seems like the more you give, the more God begins to work in you. The more you serve, the more God begins to touch you. And, um, and so I'm excited, you know, for Alicia, she gives and serves. I know God's going to touch her in some dramatic ways. Um, but I love camp. I love Fahola. We had a great time. I, my voice is recovering slowly uh, from all the screaming and cheering and yelling and singing and praising God and all the stuff that we do. Um, but I love it. It's great. Camp is great. And, and I love not just um, camp experiences like Fahola where we're not in tents, but we're in dorms and stuff. But I love that whole experience. But I love also the tent kind of camping. And uh, I'm excited for our Mackinac Island trip. Um, I just want to, again, encourage you to, to be a part of the Mackinac Island and camping trip. Um, it's going to be a great time together. Um, it is, uh, if you've ever tried to do an overnight trip um, to Mackinac Island and, and spend the day there in the ferry, um, then you know that we're getting a pretty great deal. Uh, the ferry... Uh, people, the Starline Ferry Service has really worked with us to bring the cost way down for us. Uh, we're able to also get some great deals on our camping expenses and stuff, and so um, we're able to do this relatively inexpensive um, compared to what it would be full price if you know a lot of families just went on their own. So I want to encourage you to be a part of it. Camping is a great experience. If you've never gone camping, uh, talk to me. We'll find a way for you to get a tent and get you what you need and make sure you're set and ready for success. Uh, because there's just something about camping uh, that, I th I don't know, I, I grew up camping, so maybe I'm a little biased, but I th it's a great way to get to know people, you know? You see people at their worst. There is nothing better than crawling out of a tent in the morning with your hair sticking out in like six different directions, you know, and you look like you just got beat up. And, and you walk out of the tent, you know, and you kind of stumble out and you're trying to figure out where am I, you know, and, uh, and you, you hang out together. You kind of see each other, you know, kind of rough without all the stuff that we do to make ourselves look so nice, you know, in the morning. And, 
You, ca- you get to see people at their worst and yet still love each other. And there's something about that that bonds you with other people. Um, spending time together, encouraging each other. You know, spending time around the campfire. I love that kind of stuff. You know, I love camping. Um, and uh, and that's why today, as you can see, we have some tents up here. Um, I kind of have camp on the brain. I think between the Mackinac Island trip and and our Fahola. Uh, um, trip that we just got back from. Um, I have camp definitely on the brain this morning, so forgive me. But um, I love camp because, you know, it's also a great way to build and strengthen relationships and uh, to build a sense of community. It's really is really cool. Uh, it's just something that I don't know that you can accomplish the same way in a, even in a different setting, even in a different overnight setting. There's just something about camping that really bonds you together and makes you kind of a community with people, whether it's your family or someone else. You know, as I thought about camping, though, and I thought about Fahola and the Mackinac Island trip and getting excited about that, and um, I started thinking about the fact that uh, in the church, it seems that there are different camps in the church. And I don't mean in the buildings of church, but within the people that make up church. And there's different camps. And by camp, I mean attitudes, ways of thinking, um, things that you, assumptions that you may come along with. Um, you know, kind of like you think of, uh, you know, there's the Democratic uh, Party and the Republican Party, and those are two different camps of thought, right? To, and there's certain assumptions you can make about someone if they say they're a Democrat, and there's certain assumptions you can make about someone if they say they're a Republican. And um, because of those different camps of thought, there's a lot of different assumptions. Sure, there's some variety, uh, but there's a lot of things that are very similar. And in the church, uh, there's what I can see is three different basic camps, uh, ways of thinking, uh, assumptions, uh, ways of interacting with different people. And sure, individuals may venture out from that camp, just like in a, in a real camping situation. You know, you may take a day trip to go hiking somewhere, right, and go see something neat or go on a nature walk. But then you're going to come back to your base camp, where you started from, right? And, uh, and I, th- I find that to be true, too, in, in these different ways of thinking, these different camps of thought, of attitudes, of assumptions, um, that people may venture out past that, maybe into other camps even, but they tend to kind of go back to their starting point. And uh, within these camps, um, I think there's a couple that we need to be very careful of, and very mindful of, and then there's one that uh, I think we want to strive toward. And uh, before I go any further, let's just take a moment and pray over uh, God's Word, shall we? Lord, I ask that as uh, we share God's Word a little bit here, Lord, that you would uh, touch our hearts. Lord, I pray for more than just a transfer of knowledge, but I pray for a transformation of heart this morning. Lord, I pray that you would stir and move hearts the way that you've stirred and moved me as I've prepared this message, Lord. And God, I pray that you would um, work in us, Lord, with whatever needs to happen in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd be responsive, Lord, to act upon your word and act upon uh, the way that you move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So three basic camps here. Um, the first camp I want to talk about this morning is a camp that some of you may be familiar with. Hopefully you're not a part of this camp, but you may be familiar with it. And it's called Camp Negativity. And so here, you know, we have a little tent to kind of symbolize that camp. 
And uh, this is camp negativity. There's individuals within every church uh, and even within your job. Uh, there's people you can identify probably at your workplace, uh, maybe even in your family, that they kind of reside in camp negativity. You know, and they may venture out past that a little bit, but they tend to kind of move back toward camp negativity. People in this camp generally uh, are identified because uh, they tend to be rather kind of the glass is half empty sort of people, you know. Um, rather than seeing opportunities, they see problems. And they, see, they focus on the mistakes. They tend to be rather critical and, and pessimistic. Generally, people in camp nev- negativity, they're the first people uh, to let you know when something's not right or when they don't like the way you're doing something. Now, we all appreciate constructive criticism when someone wa- generally, genuinely wants to help and uh, they're willing to be a part of the solution. Uh, but in camp negativity, people tend to kind of point fingers at what's wrong uh, but aren't really willing to pitch in and be part of the solution. Uh, they're just kind of quick to point out problems. And, uh, and they, they point out uh, assignments and assign things that uh, they feel others should be doing that they're not doing uh, while maybe ignoring the th- responsibilities that they may have and what they should be doing. Um, these people have a trained eye for people's faults and failures. And instead of trying to lift and encourage and help people along and get into people's lives to be part of helping them to grow, uh, they simply point fingers at what's wrong and what's going on. Here's the problem with camp negativity. And here's why we need to be concerned and we need to be careful that we're not setting up our camp, our attitude and our way of thinking in camp negativity because camp negativity will destroy a church. It will act like a poison and a cancer that eats away from the inside out until that church is dead. Um, Recently I got a letter from... um, the uh, Michigan district, and it has uh, different changes in churches throughout our state. And uh, I get this once a month, and it breaks my heart. Every, uh, every month it seems like there's a church that's closed its doors. I don't, know all th- I don't know the reasons. Most of them I don't know the pastor, and I don't know the situation. There could be a lot of different reasons. But many of you, if you've been in a Christian very long and been p- going to churches or a church long, you may have known a church that's had to close its doors and Maybe a part of the problem or a big part of the problem was because there was so much disunity and so much negativity that those within camp negativity kind of began to take over. And that poison was allowed to spread and that cancer was allowed to eat that church from the inside out. And it's a horrible, sad thing that I believe uh, breaks God's heart. Ephesians 4, 29-31 talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And, and to just summarize what those verses say, Ephesians 4, 29-31 talks about that basically uh, bitterness and rage and anger, basically disunity, um, not edifying each other, but instead having words that tear each other down, words that, that tear down relationships, uh, words that, that become uh, wedges and divisive tools to divide people or divide a church, whether will, knowingly or unknowingly. And God's Word says that that kind of attitude, which we find in camp negativity, grieves the Holy Spirit. And that's why when those within camp negativity are allowed to just kind of have their way, 
and begin to take over, and that cancer is allowed to spread. God's blessing, God's hand, His favor, His anointing literally is removed from that church. You will never see a church experience revival that's also experiencing division and disunity. You will not find it. I've not studied every single revival, but of the many that I've looked at and studied and read about, there was a couple of things that they all seem to have in common. One, an amazing emphasis on prayer. And two, an amazing reconciliation and unity within that church. And God's spirit just begins to be poured out. Whether it's the Brownsville revival or the Azusa Street revival, it started the Assemblies of God. There was a unity that took place. The other thing that really breaks my heart about Camp Negativity is that it turns others away. The Lord told us that they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another, right? You don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you have been turned off by a church or know someone, a relative, a friend, who will not step back into a church because of what they saw within it? They saw negativity. They saw infighting. They saw disunity. They saw people that were divided by all kinds of of different issues. They thought, if that's Christianity, if that's what the church is about, why do I want to be a part of that? And people have left the church and they've walked away from God because of what they the way people have treated each other within the church. That's the danger, the poison of camp negativity. There's another camp that we want to avoid. And although this one maybe isn't as poisonous or cancerous as camp negativity, it still has a dramatic effect on the church. And that's camp apathy. And those within camp apathy uh, are not necessarily destructive, but their attitude hinders their own fruitfulness. And and they're kind of hurting themselves, if you will. But they're also hurting the church. Because they've decided for different reasons that they're not going to have a part in the church. They're not going to volunteer for ministry. They're not going to get to know other people. And for some, they have very, or at least they feel like they have very good reasons. We know that people aren't perfect, right? Uh, I heard it said once that church would be perfect if it wasn't for people, (laughs) right? But me and you, we're all imperfect. We say things we shouldn't say, and we do things we shouldn't do. And, and so sometimes people get offended by that, and rather than becoming negative, they just kind of become withdrawn and begin to isolate themselves and kind of begin to take steps away from the center of what's going on in God's church, away from God's people, away from ministry involvement. They kind of step away from that. And they're not going to they're not going to divide the church. They they know better than to begin to talk about people, but they just kind of walk away. And that's sad. That breaks my heart and that breaks God's heart. Because the Lord intends for you to be part of a body of Christ that can help take care of you when you're hurting. That can help take care of you when you're down, when you're having difficulty, when you're going through an emotional or relational or, or physical problem. God's people can surround you and come near you and help you to get through that. But if you choose to isolate yourself, 
and choose that you don't want to be a part of it. Maybe you feel like you're just a private person and you don't want your problems to be known. You don't want to bother people. And But you know what? We are a family. We are the family of God. And we're here to take care of one another. Not only that, but you have a part. You know, if I were to walk around, my arm could say, you know, I don't really feel like being a part of your body anymore <laughs> and just kind of fall off and do its own thing. What happens now? My, I can still operate. I can still live. But my other arm has to kind of now make up for what is lacking, right? I had a friend of mine in college, and uh, he was born, uh, his right hand, uh, it was right arm, I should say, he was born with just kind of a, a stub. It's, he basically has... Um, a thumb, a, a rather large thumb, and it kind of extends down to about where my elbow would be. Um, and he has one joint, so he can bend it. Um, and then it's like a finger. So it basically has part of an arm and a finger. And he was just born with that deformity. And it's amazing to me. I mean, we would play basketball and, uh, and with some guys, and, and he would just take some of these guys to town because he's learned to adapt uh, even with his... Um, Handicap, he's been able to adapt and operate and move uh, despite it, you know. But how much more effective of a basketball player could he be if he had a fully operating functional arm? Two arms and hands, right? And in the body of Christ, there are people who will at times, maybe because they've been hurt by others, maybe because they just feel like they're a private person, or maybe because uh, they're just afraid to get involved or they feel like they're kind of shy and they don't want to. And so they resist any attempt to be drawn in. And, and we, do have an, we do have a responsibility, don't we, people, to draw people in, to lovingly invite them to be part of the body. But at the same time, every individual has a responsibility to act on that invitation and to move into, uh, in, into the body of Christ, to choose to be a part. And so there are people who choose not to be a part. They don't, they don't allow their gifts to be used. They don't allow themselves to be used in, and to volunteer in ministry. And the church still operates, but it's operating at partial capacity. Because God has placed you here as an arm or a leg or a foot or an eye. And sure, the body can continue without you, but not as effectively. The church's fruitfulness is being hindered. Not only that, but your own fruitfulness, your own uh, life is being hindered. Your walk with the Lord is being held back if you've set up camp in Camp Apathy. Those in Camp Apathy need to step in and engage in ministry to find out how they can be used, to begin to get to know people. You know, it, it's so funny. As, a, as an adult, I thought, you know, when I was a kid, um, I had trouble making friends, and I thought when I became an adult, all that would change. I'd be mature, and I, you know, everyone would be nice to me because everyone else is mature. But isn't it true that just the setting and the people change, but it's a lot of the same, isn't it? It's hard to get to know people, and it's scary. Even as adults, it can be scary to, to make yourself vulnerable enough to get to know others. But like my dad always told me, if you want to make a friend, you have to be a friend. And that's true in the family of God. Well, there's a third camp I want to talk about. This is the camp that we all want to be in. This is camp, say it with me, community. Camp community. Camp community is a lot of fun. 
It's not perfect. It has its issues. But it's a lot of fun. And there's encouragement. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Camp community is described in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. You see, in chapter 12, uh, before I read these verses here, in, in verse, starting in verse 9 of uh, Romans 12, let me give you just a real brief, brief background of Romans and that chapter. Paul starts out the chap, chapter talking about what it means to live as a Christian. He's talking to a group of Christians that are relatively new believers, in fact, um, it's one of the few letters that Paul wrote to a church that he didn't start. He did not start the church in Rome. Uh, no one's really sure who did. But this church had started, and he's wanting to make sure that they have good theology and they know what it means to be a Christian, so he writes them this letter. And in chapter 12, he starts talking about what it means, what it looks like to be a believer, to be a follower of Christ. And one of the very first things he says in verse 1 and 2, he says, I urge you, brothers in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now I want you to pay real close attention because verse 2 is the key to understanding the rest of what we're going to talk about. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know what? These verses kind of set us up for everything else it's going to talk about. Paul is telling us that there is a need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And everything that follows in chapter 12 is a result of renewing your mind, of changing your attitude. Paul is basically saying, as believers, you all are in various camps of thought and attitudes and mindsets. And some of you may need to think about changing where you've set up camp. And you may need to be renewed in your mind, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let me read verse 9 here. Here's what he says. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. You see, he says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That word devoted in Greek talks about a strong family tie that isn't, isn't something that can be broken or something that can be altered. It's a tie that ties you and, and binds you together like family. We are God's family, and therefore we are family with one another. And in camp community, just like in a perfectly operating family, in camp community, they're devoted to one another. When someone messes up, when someone makes a mistake, there are others around to help pick them up. Not in judgment, but in saying, hey, let's try and do this different next time. Let me, let me help you. When they're struggling with various issues or problems or, or concerns, the body of Christ should be right there to help pick them up to comfort them spiritually and physically. In camp community, people jump up and volunteer to pick up the load of ministry 
so that certain individuals and people and groups don't have to work double to keep the ministry working, but the work and the load of ministry of reaching a community and transforming a community is equally shared amongst all the others because they all help to take up the load. And when one is feeling weary, the others come around to help strengthen. That's camp community. In camp community, people stay committed to each other, just like in a family. Despite problems or arguments or disagreements, you know, those things happen in a family, don't they? You know, how many, how many families never have arguments? There's none, right? How many families never disagree? There are none, right? We all are going to disagree at times. And in the family of God, you know what? That's kind of part of being a family because we're not perfect. But just like a family that is sincerely loving one another, devoted to one another, they stick with each other. Say, I am not leaving. I'm not leaving you because I'm devoted. I'm here. I'm sticking this out. This is how Christ loved. He loved even in the midst of disagreement, failure, unmet expectations. Christ continued to love us, doesn't he? Christ loves us despite all the many times we mess up. I love this next part of the verse. He says uh, in verse 9, okay, love must be sincere. But then later on in verse 10, he says, honor one another above yourselves. The English Standard Version has a really neat way of translating this that I think is even more accurate. Instead of saying honor uh, one another above yourselves, it translates it like this, outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't that a cool thought? You see, in camp negativity, people are pointing fingers and looking at what's wrong and, and trying to point out all the problems and, and making sure everyone realizes that it's not the way it should be. And in camp apathy, individuals are kind of sticking to themselves and they see the problems, but you know, they see others maybe that are hurting, but they're just not sure they want to get involved. They're not sure they want to risk that kind of vulnerability, that kind of openness to either help others or to let others in. But in camp community, individuals look for ways to outdo one another in honoring, encouraging, and loving each other. You know, they see someone, you know, do something really encouraging and think, man, that was cool. I wonder how I can, I wonder how I can even do better. Not in a spirit of negative competition, but in an attitude of, of desire to love more and more and more and more. Outdo one another in showing honor. In camp community, people consider the needs of others before their own. And isn't that what Jesus did? You know, I think of what Jesus sacrificed in order to love us. He sacrificed time. He sacrificed an incredible amount of energy. He sacrificed many of his own personal resources. He sacrificed, ultimately, his life, didn't he? And people weren't always appreciative, and people didn't always uh, thank him and come up to him and, and were, you know, treated him the way he would expect. But he did it because he loved unconditionally. No strings attached. He put the needs of others before his own. And he trusted God to take care of his needs. And he, well, if I, you know, if I start putting the needs of others before, I mean, I, who's going to take care of my needs? That's where our faith in God comes in. We say, Lord, I trust you to take care of me as I help to take care of your family. That's power. 
That's unity. That's when revival begins to take place. Life in camp community is really different from camp negativity and camp apathy. The question I want you to ask yourself this morning is what camp have you set up in? Where have you set up camp? Have you found yourself maybe falling into an attitude of criticism? Maybe some people have rubbed you the wrong way or maybe some things have happened that you didn't agree with and you've began to fall into sort of a a negative, pessimistic kind of mindset. You've began to move some of your things over into camp negativity. Can I just caution you in love? It's not a place you want to be because it will eat you up inside. It will tear you apart. You don't want to be there. That's not a fun place to be. Have you set up camp maybe in camp apathy? Maybe you've also been hurt, but you've responded in the opposite way to kind of just withdraw and separate yourself and isolate yourself. Maybe you're just naturally kind of a shy person. I understand that. But you need the body of Christ. It's that important. It's that important. You don't always feel like drinking water or eating, but it's important to do. So if I can encourage you to take, if you'll just take those couple of bold steps, I really believe with all my heart that especially this body of Christ will embrace you and bring you in. But you may have to take that first step. But it's worth it. It's important. Maybe you've tried to establish yourself in camp community, but you're feeling drawn one way or the other. Because you know what? Life in camp community isn't perfect. People disagree. People offend each other. People miss the mark. They miss expectations. Just like any family. Just like any community. But you know what I've found? Unity is not achieved by agreeing on problems, on how to solve a problem. Just because you agree on something doesn't mean you're in unity. And just because you disagree doesn't mean you can't be in unity. Unity is not achieved by agreeing on an issue or problem, but by sacrificially loving each other despite the disagreement. That's unity. That's love. When your kids blow it and they miss the mark, you don't stop loving them. You don't stop being committed to them. You stick with them and continue to pray for them that they repent and turn around, don't you? And you're there to help them and be there with them and see them through that process. You're committed to the end. I want to challenge you today to reestablish yourself in camp community. Remember we talked about verse 2 and we said let's keep that in mind. Verse 2 of chapter 12 said, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In order to move from camp apathy or camp negativity to camp community, there has to be a transformation of the mind that takes place. How does that happen? By digging into God's Word. Digging into His Word, meditating on passages like we read in Romans chapter 12 and many others that talk about our love for each other. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 talks about how Christ teaches us how to love one another and meditate so we meditate on how christ loved what did it look like when he loved who were the people he loved how did he respond how did others respond 
when he loved them. And how did that affect him? He continued to love anyway. Meditating on passages like Philippians chapter 2 that talks about uh, having the attitude of Christ and considering ourselves nothing just like he did. He was obedient even to the cross and how he put others before himself and how, how we need to do the same and just meditating and reading and memorizing these passages. We begin to look outside of our community, those who are on the fringe, those who maybe are in camp negativity or maybe they're in camp ap- apathy. And instead of just saying, you know what, too bad, that's so sad for them. They're missing out. Instead, no, you begin to do all that you can to love them and ask the Lord to give you a sacrificial love for them. Even that person who is negative and critical and pessimistic to say, Lord, help me to love that person. Or the person who's out on the fringe and they're maybe, um, they, they've shown a bit of apathy, not because they're negative, not because they don't want to, but maybe there's reasons we don't even know why. But they're kind of on the fringe and uninvolved and unattached to the body of Christ. And so we look for ways to say, how can I draw them in? Lord, give me creative ways to draw them into the center of your family. Lord, give me ways to to love that person who is being negative and critical. And Lord, change their heart, God, and draw them into the center, Lord, of your family to camp community. God, do a change. We begin to look for needs of others within the church that that we can meet. We look for needs, not just pointing out problems, but looking for ways that we can be a part of the solution. And we look for those who may have needs. We pay real close attention and we listen. You know, um, one of my wife's love languages is giving gifts. She loves receiving gifts. It doesn't have to necessarily be expensive or extravagant, just thoughtful. And so I have a tough job, and that is I have to listen real carefully for things that she'll say, little hints that she'll give, to pay attention to what she would like, what she would appreciate, Right? We need to do the same within our family. What would, what would really, someone really appreciate? What would really encourage them? What would really encourage them? What, what needs do they have right now that I could help me in some way, tangibly or intangibly? How can I be a blessing? How can I outdo others in honoring and loving them? When we, as God's people, live and operate in community, it's amazing the picture of the church that we see. It's the church the way it was meant to be. I uh, sent an email out asking for some examples of ways that people have experienced uh, just the encouragement of the body of Christ, and I got some great responses. And uh, One of the ones that really stood out to me is uh, Mary Hardy shared with me uh, just a few things about how they were encouraged um, after Carrie's accident um, and how they've been encouraged by others. Um, praying and doing all kinds of things. And it was amazing as I read through the list of ways, and we don't have time to read through all the different things, but everything from letting, uh, letting them borrow cell phones to taking their kids out to go do things and just you know, be able to maybe distract their minds for a little bit from uh, the grief and problems going on um, to the amazing distances and, and uh, sacrifices people uh, gave in order just to be able to come and pray the the one story that really stood out in my mind that Mary shared with me uh, was the fact that there was a, a group from New York uh, that drove. They had heard about Carrie's accident. And they drove all the way from New York to be able to come and pray over Carrie and minister to the Hardys. They spent, I think you said, about five hours roughly with them. And then they had to drive back to New York. 
Come on, people. Now that, that's love. That's the body of Christ. That's family. You don't do that for someone you've never met that you don't really care for, but you would do that for family, wouldn't you? And even though some of the people that drove far distances, people in other countries, uh, people all over the world that are praying for Carrie, many have never even met the Hardys personally, but they've heard about what's going on, and they're praying. Why would someone do that? Because we're family. Whether we're separated by thousands of miles or just an aisle in church, we're family. We take care of each other. That's what we do. Who wouldn't want to be a part of this? When the body of Christ begins to operate in love and the world begins to see as people share the possessions with one another, just like in the book of Acts did, thousands were added to their number, it says. That's what can happen as we begin to love each other sacrificially, love each other in camp community, not because we're perfect, not because no one ever offends you or gets under your skin, but because we're devoted to one another in love, because we've transformed our minds, because we have an attitude that is the attitude of Christ that says, I will love no matter what. I will give my all. I will sacrifice for this individual because of what Christ did for me. That's the family of God. That is sincere devotion to one another that is the attitude of christ on your chair or a chair near you you should have a little piece of paper postcard sized piece of paper that says welcome to camp community i know there's plenty in the room here but there may not be one on your chair if you need one of these would you raise your hand and maybe someone who has an extra one sitting next to them can get you one is there anyone that doesn't i want i'd like everybody to have one of these in the back maybe someone can run one back to mandy uh in the back there, they need a couple in the back. Anyone else, just raise your hand real quick, and we'll make sure you get one. There's, an, there's a few floating around. Great. Jason needs one over here. If there's someone that has an extra that can pass it up to Jason. Just kind of circulate those around. I want to challenge you this week with something very practical. I want to challenge you to think of one way you can be a blessing or minister to a need or just simply encourage someone to love on them. And I want you to feel free to be creative. Let the words of, of uh, Romans 12.10 reverberate in your, uh, in your heart. Let that, let that just, just resound strongly in you to outdo one another in love, in honoring one another. To outdo each other in honoring one another. What could you do to be a blessing? I want you to think of somebody. You may see them in the room, and you may not know their name. Just write down a description. This is only for you. You're not going to give this to me or anyone else. This is just as a reminder for you um, and a commitment. But who would, who would God impress on your heart? Just take a moment and ask the Lord, who would you have me to encourage to be a blessing to, to meet some, find out a need? Maybe you don't even know what needs they have. Well, you, you, you get to find out this week. Who would that be? Just write a description. Maybe they're not here. That's okay. Maybe this is not your home church, the church that you consider home. You know what? You can still do this. Find somebody at your home church or in your neighborhood or family that that you could do this with. And then I just want you to write down as a commitment between you and the Lord no one else, what is it God would put in your heart? to encourage them or love on them. You may know right away. Write it down. You may need it to go home and pray about it. That's okay. If you want to go home and think about it or 
pray about it. What I'd like you to do is, as you fill this out, to put it somewhere where you'll remember. And I'd like you to find a way this week. Because if you're anything like me, if you wait much longer, it'll probably just get pushed off and not get done. But if you make it urgent, it'll get done. So I'd like you to try and do it something this week that you could do to encourage or love or be a blessing or meet a need in any way that you can. Because that's what camp community does. We look for ways to love and honor one another. We don't wait for them just to pop up randomly. We look for ways to encourage one another. Maybe it would be taking someone out to eat or inviting them over to your house. Maybe it's a financial blessing God would put in your heart to give. Maybe it's taking their kids out to go hang out. Maybe it's, I don't know, whatever God would put on your heart. Maybe it's to write an encouraging note and mail it. If I can have uh, Dale and Mary come on up. And uh, Amy, I don't know if if you're coming up. Come on up. Like I said, just as we close, take a moment in prayer. If everybody could stand with me this morning. What camp are you in this morning? My prayer this morning is not that you would feel condemned, but that the Holy Spirit would work in your heart and challenge you. My prayer is that if you've set up camp and camp negativity, maybe the Lord has opened your eyes to see that that's not a healthy way to live and it's not healthy for His church. That's not how the Lord would have you treat his bride. I'm very protective of my wife. And you can believe that it does not make me happy and I, and I won't sit quietly and let someone mistreat or talk badly about my wife. The church is the bride of Christ. If we allow that negativity to spill out and be spewed out like the poison it is, That's how we're treating the bride of Christ. You can believe it pains God's hurt, God's heart. So maybe the Lord is convicting you this morning of having a a negative heart. These people aren't bad. They're not evil. They've just allowed their minds and hearts to be turned in a negative direction. Maybe you've set up camp and camp apathy today. You find yourself withdrawn and isolated from the family of God. It's time to come to the center. It's time to come and find that sort of comfort and protection and healing and welcoming that's only found in the family of God. It's time to get into the center. Maybe you, as you sincerely search your heart, you find yourself in camp community. But maybe you're being drawn. You have a, maybe you're being drawn a little bit toward a negative mindset. Maybe you're being drawn a little bit toward 
toward an apathetic heart of withdrawing from God's family. I want us to take a moment to seek the Lord together. I'm going to ask if uh, the board members that are here, if you would come forward, and if your spouses are here, to, they can come with you. And just If you would just line across the front for me. I want to encourage you to maybe find someone to pray with this morning. Or maybe just find a place at the altar if you don't feel that you know you need or, or want to pray with someone or you just want a quiet place at the altar to pray or or maybe you just want to make your place, your seat where you are, an altar, a place to meet with God. I want us to take a moment and let God transform our hearts to recommit ourselves to being and living in camp community be committed to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to cheer up our brothers, to be willing to do that. As Dale leads us, find a place to pray, would you? Find someone to pray with you, maybe at the altar or at your chair, but let's seek the Lord for a little bit.